Hello and welcome to episode 13 of Together, a Brighton and Over Albion podcast. Um, when I started writing my notes yesterday, though I'm recording this on the Sunday, uh, when I started writing my notes yesterday for the podcast, I expected it to be quite a short one. Um, we were convincingly beaten yesterday at Goodison, um, and we really don't have a huge amount of things to talk about in regards to Cardiff, simply because they're such a one-dimensional team. Um, they're more predictable than we are. And that's not to say that we're incredibly predictable at times because every now and again we can do something different, but they are they are the most predictable team in the league, I think, um, under Warnock. And so there's not a huge amount to look at. Uh, so I started writing my notes yesterday, and I think I ended up with more notes yesterday than I have all season. Um, so this could be a long one. Um, I have a pretty big amount of stuff to talk about in the middle segment um, outside of the Everton analysis. One of them kind of rides in there, and it's going to be a controversial one for some, so hold on tight. Um, So let's get started, shall we? We'll start with the good, we'll go into the bad, um, and then we'll really not do much more than that, um, because it's pretty obvious as to why we lost. So we'll start with the good, and I'm going to start with something that I haven't said in a while. Um, Solly March, I think, was our best player yesterday by some distance. Um, He got an assist. He ran into the channels and for the most part operated um, as more of a 4-4-2 than a 4-4-1-1 in regards to the fact that he played more of a Sam Baldock type role yesterday. Um, I thought it suited him a lot more. Um, I still prefer him as the defensive winger, but this was probably his best performance in quite a while. Uh, He had two key passes, which was more than anybody else, um, and generally looked very threatening. Um, I also thought Izquierdo looked dangerous on the break, but to me, I don't... I'm not sure he looks quite up to speed yet. Um, he doesn't. He kind of seems to lack that little extra burst of pace that he has at his prime, um, and I think that's just a case of building up match fitness. And these dozen or so games since the opening seven and going in before December with uh, Chelsea and stuff, I think this is the best time for him to get that game time because it's against teams that he's better than so i expect to see him continue to grow into the role because we know how good he can be um but for now he's been pretty quiet um and it's also worth noting that when he was at his most dangerous it was when he was linking up with murray and gross and gross isn't in the team right now he's hurt so i thought he looked good though um he terrifies people on the break yesterday um that was really the only reason we didn't get totally overrun at fullback was because they were terrified um of his Kiedo coming on the break and he's always going to give us that regardless of what happens um and to add to that uh include on the good um I was also very much impressed with what I saw of Andone for 20 minutes um he got on for 20 minutes and played kind of in that role that March played in like a 4-4-2 off of Glenn Murray um I thought his first touch exudes class you know he's going to be you know he's a talented player um just on the way he brought the ball down on the few times he got a hold of it um and his willingness to do something always going towards the goal was a real difference to murray or march um it was 20 minutes so obviously it's it's a bit soon to maybe be making sweeping judgments but the 20 minutes we saw he is a very attacking minded player always and his faith in towards the goal as, as opposed to having his back to it um, so I'm pretty I'm pretty intrigued by what I saw and I don't know when he's going to get the opportunity to keep coming on I think he might end up taking the Lockardia role of coming on late uh, clearly Lockardia hasn't impressed yet um, despite me being an advocate for him he obviously hasn't impressed 
and throughout training and stuff obviously Andone is starting to shade him out which doesn't surprise me given the the reviews we've seen on Andone before the season started um also worth talking about you know Dunk scored a goal uh, Southgate was there. Can't argue with that. Hopefully, that's a nice little. Uh, hopefully, that overshadows what we'll talk about in a minute. <laughs> um, and our general defending was outstanding again. Uh, Duffy is an absolute man mountain out there um, and up there for man of the match. Um, but I think my my absolute bias is going to go towards Solly March and give him man of the match simply because it was such a better performance than we're used to seeing, um, in my opinion. And I think he outshone almost everybody both as a basic eye test in an attacking format and also in the stats um so he is my man of the match and hopefully he can keep doing that but he's gonna have to adapt his game and play much more like that bulldog role he played today um and he could cause some real danger at cardiff if he is the one given that role again um let's move on to the bad um when I did my previous podcast, when we were looking at Everton, um, we noted that the defensive duties were going to have to come from all over the park, um, simply because we were going to have to primarily defend against a winger fullback duo of uh, Walcott, Dine, I still don't know how you pronounce his name, um, Coleman and Richarlison. Um, and unfortunately, we weren't able to do it this week. Um, if we were able to take them out of the game, um, we would then be able to stifle Gilfie Sigurdsson in the middle of the park. And twice in the opening 20 minutes, we allowed the flanks to be massively exposed. And the man on the end of the danger was indeed Gilfie Sigurdsson. Um, he could have had two in the first 20 minutes. Thankfully, he didn't. Um, however, we did quickly learn from this. Um, and I don't think Sigurdsson was really much danger to us after that. Um, we got better at containing them on the on the flanks um, and forced them to put the ball in high, which is something we're obviously incredible at defending. Um, but we we didn't really neutralise the threat as an from a goal scoring perspective on the flanks. Um, two goals from Richarlison and a goal from Coleman really sums up the point that I'm trying to make. Um, and a very good performance from Dine Dean um, really put us in big trouble. Uh, we allowed Idrissa Gay, who I thought had an incredible game yesterday, probably my man of the match if, if Richarlison hadn't scored two. Um, he absolutely ran the show. Um, we allowed him, We allowed the combination of Gay, Coleman and Dine um, an average pass accuracy of 85%. Um, similarly to Seri against us with Fulham, um, I keep going back to that because before yesterday, that was the only central midfielder we allowed to run the show um we didn't allow we didn't allow um Neves or Martino to run the show as badly as we were allowed Seri to do it we didn't allow any of the Liverpool midfielders Man City midfielders we did a better job of keeping central midfielders quiet uh Seri and Gay were the only two who have really absolutely dominated us from start to finish and it showed because they really were incredible the numbers behind them were incredible um and when we lose that midfield battle in the centre, um, it's a it's a surefire sign of big trouble for us, and it really was. Um, 
So yeah, I would say our midfield too really sucked yesterday. I've never seen a worse performance from Dale Stevens this year than than yesterday. Um, he looked incredibly off the pace. He he came out of he actually pulled out of two 50-50 challenges. I don't think he'll pull out of I don't think I've seen him pull out of two 50-50 challenges all year. So to see him do it twice in a game was weird. I don't know whether he had a knock, whether he was just off the pace, had the flu, whatever. Um, but Dale was really poor. He only made 20 passes all game. That's less than almost anybody else on the pitch. Um, only Ali Razor made less passes, in fact. Um, and not to mention that, but losing the aerial battle was also a massive problem. Um, we lost the aerial battles uh, 24 to 17. Um, that's something that very rarely happens with us. We normally win the aerial battles by some distance. So to see them beat us by almost 10 was, was poor. Um, and Michael Keane alone won nine of them. Uh, Murray only won four. Zuma won two. So really, that just shows how little Murray had to feed off of. And when we do go forward in away games, he, that's normally where we excel. Is keeping that winning the head of winning the aerial battles, causing them some serious trouble, winning a lot of fouls in that way. Um, we didn't do anything this week. Uh, Keane absolutely dominated it from the word go. So fair play to him. Um, so moving on to kind of like the ugly or why we lost, um, I think the biggest problem we had was individual errors again. Um, I don't know what it is with Merseyside, um, but similarly to Anfield, uh, we conceded four goals against Liverpool and Everton this season, and three of them have came from individual errors. Basuma at Liverpool, um, and then two this week. We had an uh, absolutely atrocious corner kick that created their chance from the absolute offset. Um, if we had not produced such a poor corner, which is something we haven't done pretty much all year, um, but that poor, that really, really poorly overhit corner contributed to their immediate counter-attack and goal. Um, and then their third goal was just <laughs> horrific. Um, you know, the third one was so bad. Um, with Southgate in attendance um, and a goal to his name already and looking like an absolute star, Dunk then plays a total hospital pass to Duffy. Um, Richarlison puts on the afterburners, intercepts the ball, rounds the keeper and scores pretty easily. Um, it was really, really poor and we are better than that. Um, I don't think it really, it doesn't, we know we're better than that. Um, it was really poor yesterday, those individual errors. Really, the only one not to complain about was Seamus Coleman's goal, um, which really left Ryan with no chance. And, you know, you could say we could have closed him down better, um, but I don't think it was really, you know, it happens. So I'm not really too upset by that one. But the other two, oh, not good. We can do a lot better than that. I'm really disappointed in us. Um, so... That's it, really. There's not a lot more to talk about with Everton. Um, we got through it pretty quickly. So we'll go on to kind of the middle segment, which is a combination of a whole bunch of things um, prior to our Cardiff preview. And we'll take a look at the first one that I want to look at. And part initially, this was part of my uh, bad uh, segment in terms of the Everton analysis. Um, but I actually did some digging because I didn't really feel like I had much and I ended up doing a whole bunch of digging and got some really interesting information. Um, I believe from my eye test and the things I've seen over the last couple of weeks that Ali Reza Yahambach um, isn't good enough for us right now. He's playing incredibly poorly and he could do a lot better. Um, that's my viewpoint and I know some people who agree, some people who want to give him time, which undoubtedly he needs time. Um, and this is, 
given given the given the feedback I've had on Twitter recently from a couple of Iranians um, who are big Yahan Baksh fans and not Brighton fans, um, this might not go over too well if they get wind of this conversation we're about to have. But uh, the numbers don't lie. So if you go to whoscored.com, they actually have a player comparison tool, which is super cool. Um, and I have in front of me right now um, a player comparison tool, which is showing uh, Nokar, Izquierdo, Soli March, and Yahan Baksh all next to each other with the different stats that they have to show. Um, and it really makes interesting reading, not only to see how good one or two of the individuals have been, but really to show that I'm right and Yahan Baksh isn't playing very well. And it's always nice to have your feelings vindicated, um, even if it is at the expense of our most expensive player of all time. <laughs> um, so let's get started on this one. Um, to preface this... Uh, Anthony Knockart and Solly March have both played a lot more minutes than Jahan Baksh has. Um, Knockart's played 714 minutes, Solly March 870, um, as opposed to Ali Razor's 438. Knockart played 740, oh, I'm sorry, Izquierdo, however, has played 250. So, you know, he's obviously had less minutes than anybody else. Um, but the stats, I've still measured them against each other, and it's really interesting. Um, so... In terms of defensive duties and the idea that uh, AJ is playing a more defensive role as a winger and doing well at it, um, Anthony Knockart has accumulated three yellow cards in 700 minutes of playing time. Uh, AJ has two in 400. So obviously it's showing that he's not doing as good a job defensively on that right-hand side because he's accumulating at a rate more comp like by 600 minutes statistically he'll have three and when he gets towards knockouts time he'll have more buckings than him um so obviously that's an issue um he not only is that but he's winning less aerial battles than any other player in this list um anthony knockout was winning on average 0.6 aerial battles a game I mean, bear in mind, wingers don't really win a whole bunch of aerial battles anyway because they're either smaller or they're not really involved in it. Um, but Knockout has won 0.6 aerial battles a game. Solly March 0.5. Uh, Izquierdo 0.4. And AJ is also at 0.4. We double the amount of minutes. Um, given the fact that he's a slightly taller player, you would think that he would do all right, but he's not. Um, his pass accuracy is only at 70%. Uh, for reference to everybody else, uh, Knockout's is 74.2%, Izquierdo's is 72%, uh, and Elirazor's is 70%. Only Solly March is worse, and that's at 69%, with double the amount of minutes. Um, and obviously, a heck of a lot more passes played. So, not only is he not able to do his defensive duty as effectively, um, but he's also not able to pass the ball as effectively as anybody else. Um... It doesn't get any better, really. Ali Razor fans, you may as well press fast forward because it's not going to be nice to listen to it. Um, he's averaging 1.1 fouls given away each game. That's more than any other winger in the team. Um, he is giving away... Let me load it in. He's giving away 1.1 fouls per game. Um, that's something we need to cut down on anyway. You know, we can't afford to be giving away that many fouls. Um, we've noticed amount of times that we're giving away fouls in dangerous positions especially on the flanks and that's not con that's not helping at all um in reference and comparison Izquierdo has only given away 0.4 fouls per game knockout 0.7 and Solly march exactly one um so you know it's he's already worse off than Solly with half the amount of minutes played 
Um, he is... Not only is he giving away more fouls, um, but he's being beaten as by his man more often, too. Um, he is being success, successfully dribbled past more times than anybody else. Um, so a dribble past, basically, it, it contributes to... If you're if you're defending the ball and they get past you to create a chance, whether it's just a simple pass or a shot or anything, um, that's con- that's con- that's classed as a successful. You've been beaten. Um, for reference, Solly March has been beaten 0.6 times uh, with the ball. Izquierdo 0.4, probably due to his sheer pace. Um, Knockart 0.8 and Ali Razor 0.9. Again, more than anybody else. Um, he has a lot... You know, this is just not good enough. Um, he's making 0.3 key passes per game, 0.3 fouls one per game, 0.3 successful dribbles per game. Um, all of these offensive-wise now. This is offensively, not um, not defensively. We've already established he's not doing his job as a defensive winger, which is the argument of some. Um, but looking going forward... Key passes, 0.3 successful key passes per game. Compare this to Knockart, his his rival essentially on that right wing, who's at 1.5. That's outstandingly bad. Um, Solly March, 0.9. Izquierdo, 0.2. So Izquierdo is really not much better. <laughs> um, successful dribbles, uh, 0.3 per game. Anthony Knockart, 1.6. Izquierdo, 1.4. So you see the differential there. Um... Izquierdo isn't making as many successful key passes at 0.2, which is incredibly low, but his successful dribble rate where he's beaten his man is almost one and a half times a game. Compare that to Jahan Baksh making 0.3 and 0.3, he's not doing either. Um, and he's the fouls won. Fouls, winning fouls is incredibly important in this league, as in, in any league, really. Um, Knockout's winning on average one foul a game. Uh, Izquierdo 0.4, Solly March 0.7, and again, Ali Razor 0.3. Um, he's offside more than any other of the three. Um, it's just, he's not doing well. Um, let me have a look at what else I've got here, because I've got a whole bunch of stuff. I mean, honestly, if you watch him at all, um, you can see that he isn't comfortable beating his man. I can't remember the last time he's dribbled past his man. Um, and... That shows with the stats for dribbles and fouls one. If he beats his man, these obviously go up. Um, So not only is he not comfortable beating his man, but he's not comfortable passing the ball either. He's averaging 11 passes per game. 11 passes every game. Knockout, 23 passes. Solly March, 22 passes. Izquierdo, someone who clearly isn't making as many passes as everybody else, is still beating him at 15. Um, He's just not good enough right now. It's just... To me, he needs to take his time off the pitch, and we need to we need to work on him some more. Um, with Izquierdo, when we looked at when we first had Jose come in, um, when you watched him play, you could see what he was going to bring to the team with pace and that dynamic running and being able to take a shot at will, at will really, um, and beating a single man. It was all over the place. He was so good at it. Um, but with Ali Reza, um, he's not doing anything. Izquierdo had the fundamentals that you could see what he was going to bring. I'm not sure what Ali Reza's going to bring yet. And when we looked at him at the start of the season, his stats were so exciting. And the what 
what could be was so intriguing and something that everybody wanted to see and he's not produced anything um yet so it's not a nice read for him but i think it i think the positive you can take from this because i don't want this all to be shitting on him i think you should be able to take positives from this and it really is just how good anthony knockout has been this season um and hopefully he'll get his place back um People have noted that there are certain certain things going on in his life right now. Um, the anniversary of his father's passing, um, and he's really just, you know, with with the Leicester chairman passing too. Um, maybe it's just an emotional time for him, and this is more of a people decision than it is a playing one. Um, and I think that's worth considering too. We won't know because we don't play for them or know. Um, but the only person who knows really is him and Hutton, I would say. So. I think we need to be reassured at just how good Knockout's been this season, but also incredibly concerned with how poor Ali Razor has been in his first 400 minutes for Brighton and Ove Albion at the price we paid for him. Um, it's just not good enough. And that's my rant done for the day. Um, moving on from that, uh, let's go to the month of October because it was a good one for us. Uh, Chris Hutton has been nominated for Manager of the Month. Um, if the voting is not closed yet, get voting. Uh, and not only that, but Ryan, Duffy, and Kyle were all named in the Premier League Team of the Month this year, this week. Um, that's incredible to get three players in one. I feel like we, I feel like when we first came up, I would never expect to see any player in a, that Team of the Month ever. Um, so to see three of them really just, it's a testament to how far we've come already. Um, not only just for Duffy and Ryan, who have been incredible from the minute we got them in the team, but for Kyle as well, who had such a rough roller coaster of a season last year, to be able to come in and play his first real full month in the team and make the Premier League team of the month, um, it's incredible. He's been my player of the month, personally. I think he's done incredible stuff for the the way in which he's came back from that setback after a whole year's worth of football out. Um, he doesn't look off the pace whatsoever, and he's in, he's incredible. Um, Steven Alzate, I hope that's how you present, pre pronounce his name. Um, he's a central midfielder with us. He's out on loan right now in Sw for Swindon. Um, he was given a new deal this week till 2021. Um, that's got to be a good sign uh, for the future for us. Um, he's actually doing very well for them. He's made 12 starts already, four sub appearances, and has scored twice for them from a central midfield role. Um, he scored last week for them against Notts County in a 2-1 win, so, you know, it's not like he started off the season well and tapered off. He's doing his business all the way through. Um, so congrats to him and getting his new contract. Um, thoroughly deserved, clearly. And I suppose it's just worth talking about the incident that happened last weekend after I recorded this podcast. Um, Leicester City Chairman, um, I can't pronounce his name, so I'm not even going to try. Um, you all know who he is. You've all been on Twitter or the news or whatever and heard the news. Um, he passed away last week in a helicopter accident, uh, flying out from the King Power. Awful, awful stuff. Um, but it was really nice to see football come together. Um, the amount of different shirts and scarves that were all at the Leicester City Stadium is a testament to the fact that we, you know, we have rivalries and we all shout abuse at each other, but we're the same family. Um, and I think it's worth noting that it's really heartening to see. And, uh, you know, I'm glad they won this weekend. Um, I'm not a Leicester City fan by any stretch of the imagination, but 
what they did during their win Premier League winning season was an absolute fairy tale, and it gives hope to every other football team. Um, it gives hope to us. Like, like before Leicester won that Premier League, we would have never, ever have thought that it was possible for someone to do that. And now you start a season and you just like you you can't help yourself but just think like, what if we're the next time? What if we're the next Leicester and we run the league? You know, it's it probably won't happen for another hundred years if that. But the the hope that they provided um, to any football fan that 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 top six is not concrete forever was just a huge thing, and he was he was a huge part of that. He got them up from League One. They did it the right way. Um, whether he did it, whether uh, the whole administration and stuff before that, I'm. You know, I don't agree with the stuff that they did going into debt, writing off their stuff. Um, but the way he has worked ever since then, like the the chairman was an incredible dude. He was like the perfect football owner uh, from a foreign perspective. You know, we have Tony Bloom and we're lucky enough to have a local man who absolutely loves the club and has loved them from the day he was born um, and has a whole bank of money willing to put into the club. Um but in terms of foreign investment, he was—he is the absolute blueprint for any perfect foreign investor. He loved the club. He put money into them. He helped them grow. Um, there's really not much more you could ask for. Um, he is a huge loss to the entire football community, and he was an example of for any foreign investor um, as to what they should be looking to do for football in this country. And you know. It just sucks that it happened the way it was, and it was an awful incident. So my thoughts go to everybody in Le- at Leicester, more so his family than anybody else, and hopefully they continue to prosper under his legacy. That's um, all that I have to say, really. Um, so moving on to the Cardiff preview, let's get on to Brighton again. Um, the Cardiff preview, there's not a whole lot to talk about. Simply, like I said before, Cardiff are so one-dimensional, there's not a whole lot to look at. Um, so we'll look at what our game plan needs to be. Um, we need to dictate possession. Um, much like Wolves at home, um, they did it to us at our place. We need to treat this like a home game. Um, with the amount of ball, possession, and the way in which Wolves played at their at the Amex, um, it was almost like they were at Molyneux. It was almost like they were playing a home game with the way they bossed the ball. We need to do the same to Cardiff at their place. They're only averaging around 40% possession at home. Um, 13 shots a game on average at home and 7 goals in 6 games. Um, this is most certainly a game we can and should boss from the outset. Um, they are going to set up to hit us on the break and we are going to have to work very hard to break them down. Uh, friendly reminder to the Americans out there, because I know that there's a few of you that listen to this in the States. Um, don't forget this is early kickoff. So we will all be up nice and early at 7.30 a.m. Eastern time to get in on this glamour tie that they've chosen to start early days. Um, we are going to need to win the aerial battle. Um, it's something we struggle with this week at Everton, but it's where Cardiff are most comfortable and something they are incredibly good at. Um, if we can beat them in the air, especially at the back, at their own game, it almost neuters them from a defensive standpoint entirely. Um, and we can and will get goals. Alternatively, the other option will be to keep it on the ground and play around their big centre-backs. Um, 
either which way, there, there's a lot of ways to beat Cardiff, and they are very much a beatable team. Um, but the biggest key point to getting a win against them is do not let them score first. Um, they will defend it until the end, and they probably will beat us if they score first. We aren't good enough to break down 11 men behind the ball at a Premier League level. We're just not. Um, so we need to not let them score first. If we score first, we'll win. If they score first, they'll win. 100%. Um, easy money. In terms of what we can expect from Cardiff, um, they're going to sit back. They're going to play long balls up the pitch and aim to steal a goal or two on the break. Um, two key players we need to look out for for them, especially at home, is Camarasa. Um, whether he comes on as a sub or start, he has been incredibly dangerous for Cardiff. Um, he's created more chances, uh, key passes than anybody else in the team. And he's also uh, contributed the most to goal scoring opportunities than anybody else on the team. So he's someone we really need to watch out for. Um, an Arta in the middle of the field is also someone we need to really quiet down um, because he's an incredibly talented central midfielder um, and has been a big part of them going forward too. If we can do a job on those two, I don't see where a goal comes from all day. Um, and they're also going to look to take a lot of long shots. Um, that's something that they do a lot and feed on the rebounds. Uh, so Duncan Duffy will need to be at their ever-present best. Um this is a game we absolutely can and should win. Um, and we have to go there with the right mentality that we are the better team this time. Um, and we deserve to win simply because, like, not because we're better. We don't need to just turn up, but we we will, if we play well enough, we'll deserve to win. Um, it's really as simple as that. Uh, saying we deserve to win is dangerous, but if we play well enough, we will deserve to win regardless of the outcome. Um, we need to turn up with the right mindset and put them to bed. Uh, so my starting 11, um, it's not too different to like, to this week's. And I know that, you know, Hutton clearly doesn't listen to this because he's never listened to any starting 11 I've ever proposed. Um, but Matt Ryan in goal. Uh, Bruno at right back. However much of a fan I am of Montoya, I think that Bruno is an incredible shout for this game on simply experience. I think which whoever plays on that wing against him is going to be absolutely silenced by him simply based on experience. Um, this is the sort of game where such an old, experienced, talented head can flourish, and I think he'll keep them totally silent on his side. So Bruno starts. Duncan, Dunk and Duffy in the middle. Um, Bernardo simply has to start. Hutton, please, Lord above, put Bernardo in. Bong... However much of a fan I am of him when we play the big teams, he has just not done a job for us at any at any level against the lower league players. Um, please, please, please start Bernardo. Please. Um, at right wing, Anthony Knockout, you simply must start this week. My my segment on Ali Reza is a testament enough to simply how good Knockout has been this season. Anthony Knockout, number 11, needs to be on the right wing. Please, Christopher Hutton, if that's even his full name. Or is it just Chris? Please, just start him. Just start the French wizard and let him do his thing. He will score goals, or at least make them this week. Middle of the park, can't really complain. Dale Stevens and Baram Kayal, obviously. Um, 
this is a this is a game that I think Basuma would excel in too because he's such a physical player. But with the way those two have played recently, um, I think you've got to give them another go. And this is the sort of game they excel in too. This rough and ready, hard battle. Um, that's Dale Stevens and Baron Kyle's like mo. They'll be great at this. Um, left wing is Kiedo. Obviously, I can't see anybody ever beating him out of that role. Um, and then Solly March in the number ten. <sighs> I think that's where they're, what they're going to do. I would love to see Basuma play there this week, but I don't think it's going to happen. Um, so Solly March number 10, and Glenn Murray, of course, up front. That old experienced head is going to cause them no end of problems in the same way as Bruno is going to frustrate them to death at the other end. This is a game we can win. This is a game we should win. This is a game we will win, I hope. Um, that's it from me. Uh... Don't forget to follow me at TogetherBHA, and I will be back next week to take a look at this one um, and look ahead to, I think it's the international break after Cardiff. Crap. Well, I'll be back next week to look at this one um, and discuss anything else we want to talk about. See you next week, and be safe.